0: Karen message we've been kind of over like some different kind of books of the Bible recently which is I think just a really great thing that we can look across because we can get stuck and like if I'm if I'm to go read my Bible without any sort of action or plan I can often find myself somewhere around the Gospels or in Romans or something because there's so much good in there not to harp on on the good word there Um, but books like Ezekiel and Philippians and Galatians, there's so many. Uh, if I start naming them, I'll just start naming them all. So there's no point in me doing that, right? But, exactly right. But today we're looking at Ezekiel 33, verses 7 to 11, but I'm going to start here. Who likes Renault shows? No one? Absolutely. Oh, good, there's a hand up. At least one, two, maybe one, two, there, a little bit, something like that. A bit of. Even if it's like back to the country or something, is that the one where they did up the old villa and stuff? But I'm not talking about that one. Does anyone here actually watch The Block? This is the most common one. Yep, I know. And there's been like, what, 17 seasons or something? It's a lot. So we're getting to the end of that, surely. And we were watching Block the other night, probably on catch-up, running, like cramming a few in at once. And there was this moment that happened. I'm going to share it with you. As you might know, The Block is done in Melbourne. Melbourne. And we've lived there. And if you know anything about Melbourne, you know that four seasons in one day can be a very, very real thing. This idea of four... When we first got there, we didn't know what cold was. And so one of our first trips was to... Well, actually, we bought it online because we are all the way in Colac. But we bought a jacket, a real jacket that stopped the weather from penetrating through to the very core of who you were. The weather doesn't consider you. It doesn't consider your feelings or anything that's going on. It just changes at you know in the breath of a wind it changes just for the sake of it and if you've watched the show before you'll know the name dan or foreman dan he was a contestant at one stage now he's one of like the main guys on site making sure the contestants are doing everything right great guy i think don't know him personally on this episode of the block though dan was watching this weather app on his phone he has to know what's going on it's melbourne as the worst nightmare for any renovator is changing weather And he noticed that something was coming. On a bright and sunny Melbourne day, and the sky was very blue, very blue. The forecast showed a massive shift in the weather to torrential rain, about 30 to 40 mil in a very short time frame. Now, these houses are still mostly without roofs. We're about four weeks, five weeks in, something like that. And the rooms they were working on had their ceilings exposed to whatever the weather wanted to throw at them. And the forecast was for heavy, drenching rain, which naturally, Dan is the good foreman he is. He came and gave every team the heads up. Even some of the producers who were doing all of the film work, and you see these little snapshots to interviews of how are you going, what are you doing in preparation, with the contestants were questioning each team as to what preparations they had in place, given their forewarning of all the things that were to come. So, as they go through the level of preparedness of each team, we get a bit of a snapshot, and they always like to do it in this comical way, which is just hilarious because you just know what's coming. We get a snapshot as to how prepared, given the warning each team was, and we get to Team Queensland. I'm not a big fan of Team Queensland, but you can be, but I'm not. 30 to 40 meals, we get bigger rain in Queensland. Comes and goes, and the final comment from Ash, I believe his name was, not you, mate, that sits with me was, she'll be right. She'll be right. I'm like, oh, she's not going to be right. He kind of just smirked, and I probably smirked along thinking the opposite was going to happen for him, and seriously said, she'll be right. Keep in mind that this guy also has some experience before the show in the construction industry as well, and he seriously said, she'll be right. So what do you think happened? The rains came down and the floods came up. I'm not going to sing. Fast forward to night time when every team is finishing off their rooms. Plasters all up on the walls. This is like pitch black outside sort of time. Like you should be sleeping sort of time. Plasters on the walls. Everything's getting painted. Furniture is in a lot of the rooms as well. And the rain starts. The rain hits. She'll be right. Three teams prepared. One, two, three. I'll get my fingers right. There we go. One tiny leak in one of their rooms. That's pretty good. The other two had... No issues, the other two of the three. They listened. A team of sisters who had no renovation experience at all, they did have some issues. I felt sorry for them because maybe their builders who had some experience sh- should have like, stepped in and helped them out a bit. But this experienced she'll be right team, who had the same warning as the rest of the teams, had their whole ceiling of their room crack. It started to cave in. Water was gushing out of all of their downlight holes. And eventually the ceiling was so bad that it had to be braced with long lengths of timber, somewhat like we had out the front of our shop for about two years. Do you remember that? If you don't, it was there. Braced up in their room, ready to be presented to the judges. That was how they had to present their room for judging that week. Because she'll be right. She'll be right. Good on you, mate. Very Australian, isn't it? Today's scripture is from Ezekiel 33, and we're looking at verses 7 to 11, if you want to pop that up, Ash. And it starts. Here we go. Son of man, I have made you a watchman for the people of Israel. So hear the word I speak and give them warning from me. When I say to the wicked, you wicked person, you will surely die. And you do not speak out to dissuade them from their ways. That wicked person will die for their sin, and I will hold you accountable for their blood. But if you do warn the wicked person to turn from their ways, and they do not do so, they will die for their sin, though you yourself will be saved. Son of man, says to the Israelites, this is what you are saying. Our offenses and sins weigh us down, and we are wasting away because of them. How then can we live? say to them, as surely as I live, declares the Sovereign Lord, I take no pleasure, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but rather that they turn from their ways and live. Turn, turn from your evil ways. Why will you die, people of Israel? So, Foreman Dan, or Officer Aaron, whatever you want to Warning, warning, listen up, right? The Israelites had plenty of warnings given to them through people like Moses from God directly. We get warnings to help us, to protect us and to help us to avoid negative consequences that we could face. But we simply don't listen enough most of the time. For the Israelites, they are sitting in a time where they had plenty of warnings about their behaviour and how they were ignoring God's word over them. And so now, they actually find themselves within a consequence. The people of Babylon have trounced on into town, they've decimated their holy city, they've destroyed the first temple that was built by King Solomon. And it was at this time as well that the Jews found themselves within exile in Babylon. Not a pretty picture for them at the moment. The once proud people of Jerusalem are now lost. Figuratively and also, you know. No home, no place of worship, all sorts of grief going on. They are feeling all sorry for themselves. They have lost all focus. And so we see in verse 10 today the mindset of Ezekiel's audience that says, Our offenses and our sins weigh us down. And we are wasting away because of them. How then can we live? These words that were on the minds of the Israelite people aren't dissimilar to how we view our own lives. In fact, as we ignore the warnings that are God given, given to actually lead us towards a life of fullness, we instead get more distracted or even allow destructive behaviors to begin taking over our lives. We go into a headspace that's soaked in pity, in sadness, in worry or guilt and also go into a really dark place of shame mentality as well rather than actually going towards God. We all have this longing inside of us for a full life. We have that longing because even when we're in that negative headspace, we're wanting a way out of it. And it's no surprise that this chapter in Ezekiel is the beginning of chapters that then speak directly into a little thing called salvation. Salvation. We are burdened if we choose to keep our mind in that negative space. And I know I talked about that a fortnight ago, this five times more powerful headspace than our positive mind, of this negative mind. We are burdened if we choose to keep our mind in that negative space. And if we choose to stay in that space, it can take over every single part of our lives. The Israelites who believes themselves, make my words right, who believed themselves to be God's chosen people, their city to be impenetrable, and their God to be the only true God, it's about the one part that was very true in that, saw their faith fall, their city fall, and their relationship with God suffer. They got so complacent. They got so complacent. They built up an ego for themselves and they forgot to remain in relationship with God, who at the core of everything was the one that gave them their strength. And so they fell. At that point, Instead of repentance and realignment to God, they saw their sins as burdens upon them. They labelled themselves by the sins they had committed and allowed them to define who they were as a people. Almost putting like a, you know how you see those people holding a placard in front of them with a string over their necklace and just basically saying, I'm bad. I'm no good. Insert word. They were drowning in their sorrow. They were drowning in their sorry. And they were, and in words of verse 10, wasting away. They were wasting away. That doesn't sound like a life of fullness, does it? No. This is all another warning to each of us right now. We have such a blessing through hindsight. This this Bible thing that we get to read whenever we want to, but do we? is such a great tool of hindsight and such a great tool of educating us. We have such a blessing through this hindsight, seeing the things that affected the Israelites and having the opportunity to learn from their mistakes, but too often we keep reliving them. Mental health, yes, is one of the biggest concerns for all people these days. We probably have all suffered it in some form or other, wherever it be, big or small. We don't want to pin like medals, the worries, the mistakes, like that sign on us and our burdens we carry onto ourselves. We don't want to be doing that. No, we can't just live spiritually, terminally ill lives. Like there is no option for recovery because there is. And our option for recovery is Jesus. Only coming back to Jesus, the one who set us free, who released us, from all of our guilt and our shame and our burdens, can see us understand true love and that fullness of life. Because God desires for each and every one of us to have souls that are truly living. When we look at verse 11, it shows us that God strongly desires that will for us, for us to live. And it says, Say to them, As surely as I live, declares the sovereign Lord, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but rather that they turn from their ways and live. Turn from their ways and live. And then with an exclamation mark, turn, turn, turn from your evil ways. Why will you die? People of Israel, people of Australia, people of Parapha Gardens, people of all places because God wants every single one of us to live there is passionate desperation a longing by God for us to come around to realign to reorient our lives on things pleasing to God God wants us to live full lives He's probably going to say this a lot because he wants it it's true lives that are worthy of our calling whatever that might be And for a start, we are called by God simply to know him, to be in relationship with him. Because he's our creator. And if you've ever tried to create something, not my strong point, you have had probably these two thoughts. So I was in thinking down the line of me not being such a creative person in the world of, say, artistic stuff. And regardless of how good or bad I was at it, Regardless of how gifted you are in the creative space, we always want it to turn out well. And if it doesn't meet what that level you create it to be, you at least have this moment of wishing more for that drawing or that sculpture. It's like, ah, just that longing for, for more for it. And the other thought, especially if it does turn out well, you go about cherishing it for what it is, don't you? like, oh, I'm proud of this. Check this out. Especially if you're not good at it and you happen to whip something up that actually resembles what you started to envision. Like, wow, well, check this out. I haven't had many of those experiences, maybe one day. It will be unique as its own piece, but you can appreciate it, right? God as our creator sees us all as perfect works. So when we find ourselves taking on dust and dirt that never belonged on us in the first place, God just longs for us to be clean again. We have to listen to those warnings from God that steer us towards painting ourselves with things and thoughts that turn us, that harm us, but instead allow God to restore us to what we were always created to be. And simply put, that's his beloved children. We each have individual choice and free will to listen or to ignore in our lives. Free will. In these verses from Ezekiel, we're all given individual choice to listen to the warnings and instructions of God. Not so we can be punished and hold shame when we fail. It's okay to fail. It means you tried. But instead to reorient our lives on God. And experience life and salvation through the blood of Jesus given for each and every one of us. We aren't trapped by collective guilt. We aren't trapped by collective guilt, okay? Our lives aren't determined by what others have done to us or the family we've even grown up in. No, we are individual and we have the power within ourselves to be transformed by the renewing of our minds, our own minds, by the power of God that's working through each each and every one of us. Don't let other people dictate your relationship with God, ever. Find someone that is walking that same walk with you and stand close with them. In the block, going back to TV now. I know, crazy. The contestants who listened to the warning of rain prepared themselves and they had a positive result the night after. But that one guy in particular who assumed what? She'll be right. She'll be right. And thought he knew it all, saw everything come crashing down. Whoopsie. The warning was there and a choice was made. We need to take responsibility over our lives and live into our full humanity, but through the power and strength that comes within relationship with God. That's the caveat. That's the bit we, we, we can't forget. With God. What we do and what we bring for our own life and for what people see of us matters. If we draw close to God, we will want to live a life that exudes those fruits of the Spirit that we've shared so many times wonder if we can all say them by now love joy peace patience faithfulness goodness kindness gentleness and self-control i did say them the other night without notes that's a good thing if we know them we can live them we want to see connection over disconnection we want to see community over hostility and love over any form of contempt because god longs for each of us to be a transformed people. And so there's two sides we need to address within all of this, two things. First is personally, talking individually, not collective, personally, because it starts there. Because what are we doing if we hear this news about Jesus, of his life-giving sacrifice that was done to ultimately give us life? that still to this day offers us redemptive power from the things that enslave us, those things like our mindsets, our attitudes, our struggles, our unhealthy relationships, our vices and our traps of temptation, what are we even doing in a, if our personal response, knowing this news about Jesus, is to say to Jesus himself, she'll be right. She'll, she'll, she'll be right. And secondly, pass personally to outwardly. If we've taken that first step to hear the news, seriously hearing the warnings, but really acknowledging the blessing that's offered to each of us through Christ's sacrifice for us, but then be selfish enough not to take that message to those around us, what are we doing? The people we know, the people we meet, to the people we do church with, to how we interact as a person with this knowledge, having a heart of acceptance to Christ's love that is for us, and then not display that same love in all we do to others, what are we doing? Are we saying to everyone we meet, you'll be right, they'll be right, you'll be right. We're called, I'm looking at the Bible again, we're called in Matthew 28 to what? Go out into the world and make disciples. And we look at James 2, that faith without works is dead. But we are told to live our lives to the fullest in the knowledge of what Christ did for us. The urgency and the passion and the strength in the words of Ezekiel 33. We only looked at five verses of Ezekiel and we're talking about chapter 33. Verse 11 again where it says say to them as surely as I live declares the sovereign Lord I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked. He doesn't want to see that happen but rather that they turn from their ways and live. Turn, turn from your evil ways. We see a, a bit of a pleading and a begging like a longing, the longing. Why will you die people of Israel? We need this urgency for ourselves, and we need this urgency to spread this news to others. We can't just keep sitting in routine or misery or despondency or fear and miss the opportunity to live a life in the presence of Jesus, but to also miss the opportunity to see others come to know him for their lives as well. We have the forecast right here. We have the weather app for this. We've been worded up as to what Christ did for us, what that can mean for our lives, but also our responsibility past the personal to the world. And if we can't know Jesus intimately ourselves, if we can't know Jesus intimately ourselves, then everyone else will miss out too. And that's on us who know him and the goodness that Christ offers to everybody, whether they know it or not. So let me put it this way. This one's for you, Lynn. I go for the Adelaide Crows. I know, another random, yep, good. If I'm to call myself a supporter of this football club, as meaningless as that is in the scope of eternal life, then I need to watch the games, I would say. I'd probably get to know the players, I'd be likely to show my support by getting passionate about some results. We were robbed against Sydney. (laughs) I might even invest in some merchandise or tickets to games or possibly a season pass. Through thick and thin, my support is unwavering because I have a passion as a supporter of this football club. I might even watch to see who we pick up in the draft, even though I don't even know the kid. Does our faith and belief in what Jesus has done for us show this same level of passionate support? At times for me, thinking through it like that has been a real damning experience. But let's not pain ourselves with that. Let's reorientate, reorientate ourselves. We must take that question seriously though. If not, we are left in this space of melancholy, diluted faith that questions any sort of life any sort of life in Christ? How would anyone know that we, that I, that you love Christ, that we are a supporter of Christ, that we love him? That we, What inner connection do we hold in our heart for Christ, especially if it isn't shown? The words come across as warnings in Scripture because they're important. But don't think about them in a negative mindset. They're positive warnings. They need to be accentuated to us so that we take it seriously. Because when we truly commit our lives to the hands of Christ, we will know the difference he brings to it. Warnings are to be taken seriously. You don't swim in a river that says, beware of crocodiles. Or at least you'd be very aware of crocodiles. You don't walk close to the edge of a cliff that warns of erosion for fear of going over the edge. And you don't jump in the deep end if you don't know how to swim yet. Warnings exist for a reason. And it is the same here for us in Ezekiel. No Christ is to know true life. Life in all of its fullness. The opposite of this darkness, misery and inevitability of death. We need to take this warning for ourselves. Live into the love of Christ and then let that impact how we interact and share the good news with others. The warnings are there. We can listen and respond or say, she'll be right. Because really the choice is ours. In a moment there's going to be a song that plays. And it's called Fall Afresh. Now, I'm looking up the lyrics of this song because, for some reason, the bottom end of my sermon is missing. And that's fun. But the words of the song say, and we need to ask ourselves these questions. Are we hungering? Are we seeking? Are we thirsting? And then it says later on, come wake me from my sleep, blow through the caverns of my soul, pour in me to overflow, to overflow. And as we're listening to this song, I just pray that we would be asking ourselves where we sit within within those warnings, like in the hindsight of the scriptures that we even reading them. Where are we at within ourselves and our relationship with God? Are we at the point where we are hungering and thirsting for his for his goodness, for his word, for his life within us. That we would get to the point of that, working through all of those deep and dark spaces within us, those things that are holding us back, whatever they might be, we may not even realise they're even a part of us. But bring God into every part of our lives. So while this song sings and plays through, I invite you to listen to the words and just think for ourselves where we are at the moment. And maybe that means a time of recommitment or reorientation for yourself. We can do that right from our seat. We can do that with a friend next to us. We can come to the front and we can pray with you. The Lord just wants a relationship with each and every one of us and it starts there, individual. I want to see everybody living lives of fullness to the point where then we see that Overflow.